Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. As Mark shared, we've been, gosh, looking at a bunch of different things over the last few weeks. It's also just an interesting time, isn't it? What's going on in the world? Russia, goodness me. Claiming more land of Ukraine, which is a little bit frightening because it has some echoes of what happened before some other world wars. Um, the gas line blowing up, interesting. There's a few things happening around us. Even last week, we uh, had the privilege of hearing from David Yaganatsa and Elon Ministries who encourage and strengthen the church in Iran. And we got to pray for Iran last week because also there's a lot going on there. It's not hard to recognise that we're in an interesting time. I mean, that's globally. What about locally? Things continue to change. This week, we have heard that we no longer need to isolate and we have COVID. Remember that thing, COVID, still kind of around? (laughs) These little changes, these little moments, and even individually and as a church, we're recognising we are called to still be the people of God, but we've come from something that's been quite difficult. Mark shared a couple of weeks ago, I encourage you to go back and listen to this sermon about moving from languishing into flourishing. And what does languishing mean? It's, it's kind of what we've been experiencing these last few years. It's a really good word and definition, which I can't tell you. That's why the sermon shall. But um, some of the things that we've all experienced corporately is that sense of like genuinely hopelessness. How do, how do we look forward in hope with what's happened over the last two years or that being dashed so many times? That sense of going through a crisis, perhaps, whether that's faith, life, work, family. There's been so many things. There's been confusion and sadness. And there's this sense in which that is what has marked us, that sense of languishing. But the invitation we have felt as a church and as God is leading us is to let go of that, repent of the ways we've let that rule our lives, and say, God, actually, I want to go in the direction you're headed. I don't know where that is. As so we kind of sit in this weird in-between, we're not going back to 2019, and we all know that. Our lives don't represent that. But we actually don't know where we're going either. We don't know what's going to happen in the world. So in a way, it feels like this moment is like we're in a threshold. It's a threshold moment. And I just felt, as I sat and prayed about, God, what do you want to say to your people this morning? It's an encouragement to say it's also, it's okay to be in the threshold moment and not know that this process of recognising where we've been and the things that we've struggled with as we allow God to reveal them. And I pray that that continues to happen for all of us. God, where have I held on to those things? Where are those things that I'm languishing? As we repent and turn away from them, which is what repentance is, is turning the other direction towards God, that we would walk towards him in this moment, but we're in this threshold and that threshold can feel odd. It's kind of like when you move from one building to the next or even coming outside and into a building, your eyes take a while to adjust. The sounds change, the smells change, the feeling of the room is different. You haven't quite worked out where you're going, but you know it's not where you were. Or even if you stand on the edge of a riverbank, ready to cross it, the sound of the river rushing, the things of the past still there, but you're wanting to step over into something else. And so when we're in these moments, where do we turn? What, what wisdom do we seek? How do we understand what's going on? One of the clearest ways God speaks to us is through his word. 
And so we're in these moments, we don't know what's happening in the world, we don't know what's next, because we're in this threshold of not going back, we're not really sure where, we're going forward. Let's take time. This book is written for us. Not to us, but for us, and it gives us an insight, because we're not the first generation to feel like we're in a threshold, to understand where we're heading, to want to seek an understanding of what God's up to. And so I would like to look at Joshua. Joshua is at the start of your Bible, so you can get it out or get your app out. Don't get distracted when you get your app out. Just a little note there. Give you a few moments. It's at the start of your Bible. I'm going to do a little recap of where we've been. If you have read the beginning of the Bible, we start in Genesis with Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's beautiful, and then with God. However, they made a choice to decide what's right and wrong and follow their own wisdom, which actually separates them from God, and they leave the garden. But God says, or he desires to be with them, and so he makes a way for them to come back. And basically the biblical narrative is that story of God bringing us back into his presence, because when we're in his presence, we flourish. We're designed to be there. And so there's this pattern throughout Scripture, something to take note of when we look at the word, what are the patterns? Because they speak to us. They are clear markers that help us understand our reality. This idea of being out of God's presence, but welcome back. And so there are key people that lead the nation of Israel in this way. So we've got people like Abraham who was promised that him and his generation would return to the promised land and be with God. And then we have Moses. Most people know Moses. He was brought up to lead the nation of Israel who ended up in Egypt and were in exile there, out of Egypt into the promised land. And then we have Joshua, which is where we are. He's the next leader. So Israel have this history of God, the promises that they will be taken to the promised land. They've got this history, but we're in, it's a new generation. So we're on the border of the promised land, which is Canaan. They're standing at the river Jordan, ready to cross over with Joshua leading them. It's a new generation who hold the promises of the past, but they are yet to cross the river and enter the promised land. Are you with me? Great. Let's read. So you're going to go Joshua 3, 1 to 14. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, to go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Kyrgyzites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, Set foot in the Jordan. 
its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Sounds pretty cool. This idea that God's presence is about to stop a river. Also, later on, you read that um, they make note that the Jordan was actually in flood season. So this is a rushing river that is about to be stopped so the people of God can walk through. And as I shared before, there's this pattern in the biblical narrative, this idea of going to the promised land where humanity will flourish. And when we're there, when we're in the promised land as God's people, we're designed to trust and follow his commands. And so as they stand on the edge, about to cross over, Israel is reminded of a few things. The first thing I want to point out is the promises of God. They need to remember who God is, the promises he has made. As I said, this is a new generation. They have not seen what happened in Egypt. That generation is gone. They didn't see God part the Red Sea, but they know the story. And the promises that have gone back to Abraham and all of his descendants would enter the promised land, that they would return to being with God. And so they are called to remember that. And as they enter this land, and it says driving out the Canaanites and all the other ites, too many, too many to list. It's not a military campaign necessarily. It's actually the Israelites stepping in to the fulfillment, fulfillment and promises of who God is. And Israel is designed to bring God's kingdom, that promised land to nations, to bring that culture, to bring freedom. The Canaanites are stuck in idol worship. It's not to kill them, but to reform creation back into the promised land because actually that, remember, is where humanity flourishes. And so Israel is told to remember the promises. And part of that, the only other instruction they're given is to consecrate themselves in verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. What does that mean? Consecrate means to be made holy. To, in, in that time, they would have actually washed and cleansed themselves. To be set apart, to be made holy is to belong to God because God is holy. And so in essence, what they're doing is reclaiming their identity, the promises that God has spoken over them before they walk into the land. And there's parallels here with us. As we move from languishing, it's like a cleansing. It's saying, God, I no longer want to sit in that. Things that may have served me in the past are now crippling me. I've become dependent on them. I'm stuck here, but I don't want that to be that way. I want to cleanse myself from that. So I repent and I ask for your forgiveness and I choose to walk this way. And I believe in the promises that you've said over me that I belong to you. That actually you desire to see me flourish, that you love me, that I am enough. And so as we sit in this threshold, in this moment, we're all in different places. Some of us know what those languishing things have been, and some of that's still being revealed. And we trust God's timing, and the encouragement here is to stay with it and to continue to step into God's promises and to remember his promises. I actually just want to pause right now and ask Holy Spirit to bring to mind the things that God has spoken over you and into you. So Holy Spirit, whether it be right in this moment 
or the next minutes, hours or days. I ask that you would bring that revelation and bring the truth of who we are as children of yours, that you've written it in the word and you've spoken it over us with friends, family, or maybe we're hearing it for the first time today. Holy Spirit, may you bring those promises to front and centre and then we fix our eyes on those. So as we continue to move in between this languishing to flourishing, as we stand in the threshold, perhaps even on the edge of the river, about to stand in the water, as the Israelites were encouraged, so too we are to hold on to the promises of God as we enter the promised land. This idea that we hold on to them, that we spend time with God, it's that intimacy, that dwelling with God. And when you spend time with him, your life will flourish. And I'm not saying everything's going to be easy and it's all going to work out. I mean, there's a sense of purpose in place. Because remember, when you consecrate yourself, you're made holy. And whatever is holy belongs to God. We seek belonging so much. Isn't it crazy to think that letting go of that and being open to the promises of God is actually going to answer that deep desire we have. So take courage. That as we do this, he wants to offer that space. He wants to speak into our lives. And some of us may be in the riverbed already. Maybe you've already stepped away and you're right in there. All of a sudden, when you get to the bottom of the riverbed, the sounds change. You can't hear it. You can't go back. and You don't want to go back to where it was, but you're not quite on the other side yet. Or maybe that huge wall of water. It's incredibly intimidating. The lies or the fears that have come before start to rise. And what does fear do? It makes us rely on ourselves. It quickly makes ourselves guard, try and guard ourselves and our own ability, our resources, our capacities. And God's saying, no, no, no. Remember the promises. Look up. Remember. There's a choice to block out those fears and lies and choose God's promises. The second one I wanted to point out in this wonderful passage is God's presence. Promises, we carry, remember them, we're holding them, and his presence. As what it says in verse 3 to 4, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and a Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. The Ark of the Covenant in this scripture represents God's presence. It's where he dwelt when it was put in the tabernacle. The Ten Commandments are in there, and it represents, yeah, his faithfulness, his grace, his love. And so it's designed to go ahead. He's saying, look at this, follow this, the line that, I, that stood out to me. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. Isn't that where we're at globally? Melbourne, even in our faith journeys, what church looks like doesn't look like that anymore. Where are we headed? We're not sure. What's going to happen in the world? We don't know. But God's presence makes a pathway that we're designed to follow. He knows the way we're going, and he calls us to look and follow that. Isn't it incredible to think of the Levites who are holding the ark? I mean, a bit rough too. They have to go first. And so they're the first ones to come to the edge of the bank, and the river is rushing. And the word is said, as soon as they enter the water, it'll stop and rise. But the courage it took to take that first step, not knowing. And maybe that's you. And again, the invitation is that Jesus is saying, trust me, take that step. My presence will make a way. 
I will make a way where you have not been able to see it even in the last two years. My presence will make a way. My love will cut through. My healing will come. Your freedom will come. I will make a way. Let's be courageous. And the crazy thing is, although we're trying to read what's happening in the world and we try and understand what's going on, as I said, when fear comes, we try and navigate it ourselves, pick up all our tools to defend ourselves. The reality is, the only thing that we really control or can offer God is what we have right now, this moment, here and now. And so his invitation is to sit with his promises, to trust in his presence, and to keep coming back to that. Sometimes it might be moment by moment. Maybe it's just daily at the moment. Whatever that looks like, how do we continue to offer all we have, which is this moment, in worship and confidence that his promises are true and that he's present with us? And remember, he is faithful. As David Yaganatsa pointed out last week, God does his work and we are designed to partner with him and trust that he does his and we do ours. And ours is to trust him and to follow his presence. It can't be that simple. I'm not saying it's not hard sometimes. So how do we do that? How do we continually do that? Well, I'm up to my third P, patterns. What are the patterns? What are the rhythms? What are the ways that we continue to posture ourselves to be like, yeah, okay, I believe in the promises of God. I see your presence. I'm going to pattern my life to reflect that. This is what the Israelites did. So they were consecrated, set apart, and then they were carrying the ark. They had a pattern. They had a pathway they were following. The other thing that's really incredible to remember, as I said, this is a brand new generation of God's people. They were not there when they crossed the Red Sea. They haven't seen God move in this way, but they have the stories. It's been passed on. And so what they're stepping into is almost weirdly a new promised land, but an ancient path at the same time. These pathways that people have walked before, we too have the same privilege. We're currently the generation of God's people, but there are so many people that have gone before us and set out the path of what it means to follow his promises and trust in his presence. So when we stand on the edge of this river, it's almost as if you've watched others jump across little rocks to get to the other side. They've made it. You've also watched them fall and be like, I don't want to do that. Thankfully, we have people that have gone before us. These patterns are set. These are ancient pathways. And so we're to follow that, to offer that to God, because it, it does something. When we are active, when we put the promises of God and the presence of God with our actions, something takes place. Rob Reimer says that faith is about stepping out in obedience, whether we feel the reality of the truth we believe or not. Faith is about stepping out in obedience, whether we feel the reality of the truth we believe or not. Sometimes the step comes first, then the river moves. What does it look like for us to trust and to be active in that? He goes on to talk about his own experience. I determined to live out the new life that was mine in Christ. I chose to live a life, to live like a deeply loved person. Remember what James said, faith without deeds is dead. 
I determined to live out of the firm foundation of God's love, and that required obedient acts of faith. I had to die to self and live the life Jesus wanted. Unless we act on the truth, we don't own the truth, and we don't integrate the truth into our lives. Unless we act on the truth, we don't own the truth. We don't integrate the truth into our lives. These patterns that we choose to engage with integrates his promises and his presence into our lives. It's that partnership. God is faithful to his word. He's faithful that he will lead us to the promised land, whatever that may look like in our time. And our opportunity is to take steps towards that, to let those things come together. Again, if you feel like you're moving from languishing or you're in the midst of the threshold and you can't see change, trust. Change is coming. It will come. He is faithful. Continue to walk. Continue to let your faith be mirrored in your behaviour in trusting him. The other amazing thing, it's one of the major things in scripture. So we have this sense of the Israelites of Adam and Eve represent humanity, the Israelites who represent God's people in that generation, moving from Eden to be returned back to the promised land. And then they exit again, taken into exile in Egypt, and Moses takes them out to go to the promised land. And this happens over and over again in scripture. We see later on the Israelites are in Babylon in exile, but God leads them out again back to Israel. And then there's Jesus who comes and he stops that cycle. Why or how? By his death. He goes into that exile on behalf of us. And he rises and gives us the land he inherits. The promised land. The kingdom of God. The things that he talks about. So similar to Joshua, we have these men who are almost like Jesus, but not quite. We've had Abraham, we've had Moses, we've had Joshua. There are others throughout the scripture, but finally we have Jesus. And how does he enter a new land? His weapons are not like the men before him. His weapons are wisdom, love, and sacrifice. That's what he's bringing into the new land. That is what he's sharing. And he invites us to pick up patterns that emulate that, that we offer his wisdom, that we come with his love, that we come in a sense of sacrifice and willingness to see the kingdom and the people around us enter the promised land as well. So we've had God's promises. We recognise his presence goes ahead of us. Like the ark, we have Jesus who has gone ahead of us, the presence of God, the representation of God. We've got patterns to be obedient and offer what we have, which is the here and now. And then finally, people. My fourth P, people. I love this story because it wasn't just one person that crossed the Jordan. It actually required the whole nation to participate. Joshua who had to go first. And incidentally, if you read the first few chapters, God says to him what he then says to the whole nation and what God continues to say to us, trust me, I love you, I'm with you, go forward. It's beautiful. He says it to Josh and so that Josh can then say to the people, trust God, we're going forward. Mm. The Levites took courage holding the ark. They went first and then person after person follows behind them. And so we don't actually do this alone. This is meant to be all of us stepping through. And no matter where you are, what stage you're in and identifying 
where you're at. Maybe you're on the edge. Maybe you haven't even made it to the edge of the river yet. You feel lost like you're still in the wilderness. The people around you literally sitting in the seats beside you. We're all crossing. We all desire to cross. And part of it is maybe that we're called to bring people in and say, hey, we're going this way. God is faithful. Come, come to the edge of the river. Or maybe you're in the riverbed. Or maybe you're up on the other side and you are so excited, you're beckoning others over that we are all designed to cross, to be a part of it. And what do we do when we come together? It's fulfilling that call that Jesus had over us as disciples to go out into all nations, into all places, and do what? Bring little pockets of the promised land. That's what we do when we're together. When we sing this morning, that's what we're doing. Promised land honors God. It's intimacy with God. It's where God's rule and reign comes. And so we're called to do that, not just individually, but corporately. How fun to create little pockets of the promised land in your family, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, walking the streets, praying, schools, workplaces, gyms. It's incredible. Mm. And so, what does that look like for us? First, I just want to acknowledge again that we're in this space, that if it's felt confusing or disorientating, it's okay. Because in that threshold, there's a sense of vulnerability in that because you've put down what you've known and you're trying to stand open and be like, God, I don't want to feel it with my control or my ideas. I want to see what you want to do next. And he's saying to us, believe me, ask for faith and confidence that I will do this. And so together, let's continue to trust in the promises of God. Let's seek his presence and sit in it. Let's use patterns to help us continue to offer that back to him. And let's encourage one another as we do so. I have a couple of thoughts as I finish to help you reflect on this. If you'd like to, if you want to go away and have a think about it in your time with God or even just during this week. So the first one I want to ask you is where are you? Are you still in the wilderness? Have you come to the edge of the riverbank? Have you touched the water and freaked out a bit? <laughs> also fine. We're not going to get it right every time. Where are you? Some questions to think about as you do that is if we're going to sit in the promises of God, one of the first things is, do I believe that God is who he says he is? Do I have faith that God wants to bring me into flourishing? Do you know what the crazy thing is? You can ask for faith as well. There's accounts in the Gospels where people ask for faith. But do I have faith that God wants to bring me to flourishing and are my beliefs anchored in him? As we enter the riverbed, that river is going to get loud. The lies, the enemy wants to pull you back, who wants to get, let you step into fear, it's going to possibly get louder. Are you anchored in your belief in who he is? He is solid and faithful generation after generation has stood on these promises, and it's our turn to do so. So belief, really key. And as Rob Rainer reminded us, that goes hand in hand with behave. How is my behaviour giving expression to my faith? These beliefs that we have, how does my behaviour represent that? Declare that, affirm it. Does it demonstrate the truths of my beliefs? And what patterns can I pick up in order to align my behaviour with my belief? We are not putting on more events for the sake of it, believe me. We feel called to offer spaces 
patterns to spend time with God. This is why we're doing this during the week. It starts this week. I want to encourage you to think about, if you haven't, signing up for one of them. And also, because we're all crossing the river, who can you bring along? They don't have to come to red either. Bring others with you. Let's encourage others. What pattern are you going to pick up? I've jumped ahead a little bit, but that's fine. Who's with you? Second part to ask. Let's recognize, who are the people around me? As I said to Sam a little while ago, there was a list of different things that languishing has, like, as a definition to help, to, yeah, help us anchor what the last three years have been. And we've had numerous people say how helpful it was to have it labelled and to go, oh, I've been doing that. What if you offered that for someone else in your life who you see them struggling with languishing and being like, hey, as simple as, listen to the sermon, it might actually be really helpful. Or do you know what I realised? I was actually really stuck in this way and God revealed that I don't have to live that way anymore. Who around you could or would value having the opportunity to hear that? And finally, encourage. How can I invite others then to renew their beliefs and behaviours? Hey, do this with me. I'm going to this new prayer um, pattern and I'd love if you come with me. That's it. Sometimes it's just an invite. Who are the people around you? Where can we help others? As the people of God, as we make our way through this threshold and we trust whatever God has next. Why don't you stand? That's way. We'll pray over us. Oh, Father God, we thank you for your word, that it brings wisdom and insight. And I just pray that whatever is of you this morning, whatever has landed, that you would imprint that on your people, on the men and women in this room, or that whatever they needed to hear today would be the loudest. So, yeah, Holy Spirit, may you bring revelation in whether it's a song that we've sung, being in the presence of others who follow you, something from your scripture. Lord, we know that you're speaking and we know that you love to draw us closer to you. And so I just pray that as your people, we would listen. And Father, I just really ask that you continue to give us courage, no matter where we may be in this threshold. We don't know what's next, but we know that you're faithful. And so as a generation of your people, I just pray that we would courageously step into this story that is your story of redemption and renewal and flourishing because you're faithful and you're good. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.